Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we may see the wonders of your word. Amen. Today we are in 2 Kings chapter 10 and here we see Jehu's actions in his life. I feel this is a very important chapter in the book of the Bible for Christians and especially Christian leaders. In chapter 9 we saw Jehu also known as Yahweh is he being anointed as the king over Israel. Today's chapter in 2 Kings 10 starts with how Jehu was used as an instrument of God to execute God's judgment over the house of Ahab. Ahab was the one who did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him as we see in 1 Kings 16:30. In fact, the Bible says there was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord urged on by Jezebel his wife. He behaved in a vilest manner by going after idols in 1 Kings chapter 21:25 to 26. God pronounced judgment through the prophet Elijah that his descendants would be cut off forever. So who does God use for his judgment? He uses King Jehu as his own instrument of judgment. Starts with first verse saying Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria. Deuteronomy 17:17 says a king is not supposed to take many wives because they will lead his heart astray. That's what happened with King Solomon. And here too King Ahab probably had many wives and concubines and that's the reason he had 70 sons also the pagan worship involved sexual practices in the temple itself and that's probably where he had a lot of sons from those women now Jehu writes to the leaders in Samaria saying now as soon as this letter comes to you since your master's sons are with you and you have chariots and horses and fortified city also and your weapons choose the best qualified of your master's sons set him on his father's throne and fight for your master's house he writes them an open challenge but then they were exceedingly afraid look two kings could not stand up to him how then can we stand so they write to him back saying we are your servants we will do all that you tell us so then he writes a second letter and he says if you are for me and will obey my voice take the heads of these men your master's sons and come to me at Jezreel by this time tomorrow So they brought them all the 70 heads of those sons and thus all of Ahab's sons were killed. In verses 12 to 14 we see Jehu going on the way to Bethekhed of the shepherds. There he met the brothers of Ahaziah king of Judah. So they say we are the brothers of Ahaziah. We have come to greet the sons of the king and the sons of the queen mother. As soon as he heard that he says take them alive and they killed them at the well of Bethekhed 42 men. The Bible notes that he left none of them. This is very important because this was very characteristic of Jehu. He was wholehearted and energetic in the obedience of the Lord. Until here his heart seems to be right. Now read from verses 15 to 17. Here we see him meeting Jehonadab, the son of Rechab. So who is this Jehonadab? In Jeremiah 35, we read about these Rechabites who are the descendants of Jehonadab. They were known for the strict rules to abstain from wine, from building houses, from sowing seed and from planting vineyards as we see in Jeremiah 35 verses 6 to 7. They were faithful to abide by these rules through many generations over 200 years all the way from the time of Jehu in this verse to the time of Jeremiah. God used the faithfulness of the Rechabites to teach an important lesson to his people. Thus, this Jehonadab was a steadfast, faithful and obedient man of God. So much so that he didn't want anything to hinder his walk with the Lord. So Jehonadab comes to meet Jehu as we see here in 2 Kings chapter 10 and Jehu says to him, "Is your heart right as my heart is towards your heart?" 
and Jonadha answered, It is. Jehu says, If it is, give me your hand. And so he gave him his hand and he took him up to him into the chariot. Then he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So when Jehu says, Is your heart right as my heart is towards your heart? Jehu wants to know if Jonadha will join hands with him. Jehu is trying to consolidate his power so that his rule as king will not be opposed by anyone. That's the reason he pulls him up into his chariot so that everybody can see that he was right with God. When he says, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord, it shows that there is pride in his heart. He is proud of his own zeal for the Lord. Pride is the root of all evil as we see in Genesis chapter 3, 5, 1 Timothy 3, 6 and in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. God hates pride as we see in Proverbs 8, 13. God loves humility as we see in Proverbs 11.2. This very same pride was at the root of the Corinthian church. That's the reason Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 1 verse 29. No human being might boast in the presence of God. Again in 31st verse he says, Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So even if you are doing a great zeal of work for the Lord, you boast in the Lord rather than your own zeal. Because as we read in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, it says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So what is the solution for this pride? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ might rest upon me. So the answer for the pride in our heart is to gladly boast of our weaknesses so that the power of Christ might dwell richly upon us. In verses 18 to 28, we see how Jehu wipes out Baal worship in Israel. Jehu tricked the worshippers of Baal into a trap. He acted deceptively with the intent of destroying the worshippers of Baal. He makes a great sacrificial plan and he asks all the Baal worshippers to come in and he also pushes out anybody who is the servant of the Lord. And then he finally takes 80 men and asks them to slaughter every single one of them. And not just that, they brought the sacred pillars out of the temple of Baal and burned them. Then they broke down the sacred pillar of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal and made it a refuse dump to this day. This sacred pillar is well child sacrifices were done to the pagan god Baal. So he took it down and made it a refuse dump. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. You see, beginning with the first king of Israel, that is Jeroboam, Israel was steeped in idolatry. Jeroboam began with false representations of the true god, the golden cows that were described in 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 25 to 33. The successive kings of Israel continued his idolatry, Nadab, Basha, Ela, Zimri and Omri until the reign of King Ahab. Under King Ahab, what happened was, Israel moved from the false worship of the true God to the state-supported worship of Baal. Now no longer was it a hidden thing. The worship of Baal became mainstream under King Ahab. The son of Ahab, as we saw in chapter 9, King Jehoram continued this practice until he was assassinated by Jehu and thus Jehu brought an end to the practice of Baal worship in Israel. Verses 29 to 31 is a death blow for Jehu. Just listen what it says there. However, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, who made Israel sin, that is, from the golden calves that were at Bethel and Dan. And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight, and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your sons shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. 
But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart, for he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam who had made Israel sin. So we see here the partial obedience of Jehu. Jehu obeyed God as long as it made it convenient for him to retain the throne of Israel. And apart from that, he did not carry it out fully. It's the same pattern that has been following ever since they came into Canaan. Once they are settled in their place, they are comfortable and they no longer want to drive the enemy out completely. And thus, they start falling back from God and they lead their lives away from God. This is the reason the prophet Hosea brought the judgment word from the Lord to the house of Jehu. In Hosea chapter 1 verse 4 where he says, Then the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. So why did this happen? Because Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. So what is this importance of with all his heart? We read in Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 to 5. Hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is known as the Shema, the prayer of the Jews. You see, immediately after salvation, we are very zealous for the Lord and we burn brightly for the Lord. But slowly, what happens is, we start getting slower and slower and finally, our zeal for the Lord all but vanishes. So is it possible to love the Lord of God with all our hearts and our soul and with all our strength? Is that really possible? Jesus, in fact, used this very same words in the beginning of his answer to the greatest commandment question in Mark chapter 12 verses 28 to 30. This just one commandment in the Bible is enough to condemn all of us because nobody, no human being could possibly love God with all his heart, soul and strength 24 hours a day. It's humanly impossible but to disobey this commandment of God is sin. So what can we do about it? As Christians, we have been cleansed from sin and we have what is called the Helper, the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He will guide us in the paths of righteousness. So how do we begin to love God the way we should? Just as the man did in Mark chapter 9 verse 24, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. Most often it's our unbelief in God that makes us stop loving God with all our hearts and soul and our strength. Like this man, we too can ask God to help us in areas where we don't love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. The Holy Spirit will tell us in what areas we are lacking and we can ask God just as this man asked to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It is his power that we need to do this impossible task and we begin by seeking and appropriating that power in our lives. So in the life of Jehu, we see how terrible this is. On one hand, he was an instrument in the hand of God exacting judgment upon the houses of Ahab and Ahaziah. But then, on the other hand, in his own life, he never had a pure fellowship with the living God. When we compare Jehu to the other kings of Israel, we see that he was the best among the bad lot of Israel kings. But then, no other king in Israel fought against idolatry as much as Jehu did. But then, sadly, even he did not fight against it with all his heart. In verses 32 and 33 we see how Syria captures large portions of Israel. You see the people of Israel began walking away from God 
and God instead of giving peace to them on all sides made their enemies take away lands from them including the fertile lands of Gilead and Bashan so that they did not have peace in their territory this was done because of the sin and unfaithfulness to the commandment and covenant of the Lord verses 34 to 36 we read that Jehu reigned over Israel in Samaria for 28 years this was a long reign but then only notably good at the beginning Jehu had the zeal and the power to truly turn the nation of Israel back to God but then his own partial commitment in his heart to God left that potential unfulfilled and since he had no real relationship with God he ended up being a lukewarm follower of God and that's the reason God's word came through Hosea the prophet to bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Jehu and in turn to the kingdom of the whole house of Israel this is what we read in revelation chapter 3 verse 16 as well because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold i will spit you out of my mouth you see jehu started out doing great things for the lord and he was an instrument in the hand of god but then in his own life it was an hypocrisy he did not follow god with all his heart he followed in the sins of jeroboam And in Jesus time we see Jesus using the same verse to the Pharisees and saying you are hypocrites and in the end in revelation we see the angel saying to the church in Laodicea that they are neither hot nor cold but lukewarm so it is in these days as well we might be great christian leaders but then how is our heart towards god do we love god with all our hearts and our soul and our mind and our strength that's what god expects from each one of us may god bless these words amen